Hi, I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. And I'm Vanessa Cassani. And we are The Meadow Report. So what we try to do is to bring to you, our listener, a modern take on the tribal method of communication where women would go out into the meadow and find their resources and bring it back to the tribe. And they always had a little story to share with whatever it is that they brought back. Go here, or they shared the information, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what we want to do. So we want to bring to you, our listener, the cool things that we run into in our lives and share it with you. Yes, and we have a variety of guests that come to the podcast. Every week we have a guest. So recently we've interviewed um, Georgie Holbrook. She's a healer. And Ana Rojas Bastidas, who just opened up a swimsuit line. And then today we just finished a recording with Victoria Garcia. She's a, a photographer. Yes, yes, and she's so cool. Very cool. That's what the Metal Report is. So listen to us. Yeah, and like and share and subscribe so that you can, you know, you'll know when new things come out. So welcome to the Metal Report. Hello, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. And I'm Vanessa Cassani. Today, we have my very good friend, Victoria Garcia. Hi, guys. So, um, Victoria is a photographer, but she kind of specializes in not just doing photography, but helping you, if you don't have one, create a brand. But if you do have one, sticking to it, or maybe even like being more adhered to your brand, right? For sure, yeah. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about how you got started, you know, what, okay. why photography and why branding photography? Okay. So I've been a photographer for almost 20 years now. I started in high school. Um, art was always one of my passions, and I learned very quickly that I could not draw or paint. And so <laughs> as I went through each of the you know different arts, um, photography was the one that I landed on, and it was the one that I felt most passionate about and most skilled in naturally, and I just kind of took it from there. I've done a lot of different types of photography over the years, but I think that the intersection of building a business and um, being a photographer is what led me to branding photography. Mm. Because as I started to build my business and learn about building a brand and networking and being a female entrepreneur, I saw that there was a need for other women in my space for images, you know, mm-hmm. especially with social media mm-hmm. and, and, you know, web presence being so powerful today. And I just kind of fell into that space and has grown. That's a really interesting point because do you think women do a better job shooting women than men? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I do too. 100%. Um, because I think that the way that men see female beauty is not the way that we see beauty. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, you know, maybe that's not true across the board. There are some amazing male photographers right, out there. Right, of course. Um, but yeah, but we're talking general. Sure, like, but when it know. comes to branding, I do think that there is a, an ability for, at least for me, when I look at a woman, I can see what makes her unique and what makes her beautiful other than just the external. Mm-hmm. So when she smiles a certain way or a kind of glint in her eye, like I'm looking at her like I would look at a friend. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm thinking about when I photograph her. And I think that women have the ability to see that in other women. Well, and one of my favorite jobs of yours is Lorianne Reeves, who's a good friend of oh, mine I love as Lori well. Anne. Yes. And um but I you know, she didn't I could tell like she did not flood her social media with the photos sure. that you provided yeah. Yeah, she because did. they came in layers, you know, and yeah. then I was like, I knew, oh, that's a Victoria photo. <laughs> oh, that's, cool. <laughs> that's cool. I like that. I could tell right away. I've actually had the pleasure of being shot by you and I that's feel right. that's so yeah. true. Like I felt so comfortable and I felt like you could capture the things that I wanted to be captured, yeah. you know, awesome. the that good side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when you were first starting, too, and this yeah. was, like, all new for you. And so yeah. it's, it's been such a pleasure to watch you grow. And Thank you. Transform. It has. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. has. So we had, um, the way that I met Victoria was she came on board with I Know Somebody Houston. And right. as our photographer. That's right. Yeah. And um, you had a full-time job at that point, mm-hmm. but, you, you know, you had decided to come on. And um, you were single parenting yeah. at that time as well, I yeah. think. And, um, you know, you said something before we started to record about really, um, and I liked it because it, there is this sort of almost like unspoken requirement mm-hmm. that female entrepreneurs 
fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. That you do this, that mm-hmm. you do that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. And you said, like, my, you know, what I really want to do for, you know, me and my brand is to be myself. Right. So talk to us a little bit about that and how you arrive there. So coming from, you know, working traditional jobs, I, I was in a lot of customer service. And to me, at that stage, building my business, what I, the idea that I had about being a professional and having a business was very, you know, much like co- corporate culture, right? Mm-hmm. You dress a certain way, you behave a certain way. That is what being a professional looks like. And so that kind of translated into building a business. And I think that's what a lot of people believe when they build a business that that's the way that you're supposed to be because we're looking at um, big corporations as our model for how to show up and I think over time in the beginning I built my business that way and then over time there was the disconnect between who I was internally and what my business had become was so far and I realized I was building this business it was successful I was getting clients my brand was beautiful but I was still feeling enclosed in the same way that I would have if I was working a nine to five, if I was at a corporate job. Mm-hmm. And that's because none of my personality was showing up in my brand or in my business. The way that I was with my friends or on the weekends, none of that was in there. So there wasn't really that part of me. And I was attracting people into my life and into my business that I wasn't exactly aligned with because I had this very professional exterior, very buttoned up, very, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. pretty corporate kind of. And so I was attracting people that when they were in front of my camera, we could not relate and it started to show up. And so then I started to pour more of my personality into my business and I started to peel away all the layers of what I thought I was supposed to be. And as that started happening I started to attract more people that I resonated with on a deeper level maybe we don't have the same ideas about life or the same personality or style but the rawness that I was bringing into my business was attracting people who respected that Mm -hmm. about me and if I showed up that way to a job it wasn't going to put them off because the person who was showing up was different than the person that they saw online Mm -hmm. and so that was the biggest thing for me I think so, and, and I kind of know, but for our audience, can sure. you be specific about that? Like, um, So, in the beginning, my personality as an entrepreneur was, you know, very um, straight-laced, I, I like guess. the word buttoned up. Right. I think that yeah. was like, because yeah, yeah. today, like, yeah. she's not. Yeah. Know, she's not buttoned up, <laughs> and she's not covered up. No. So, um, she's know. like a badass with, like, her tat showing, yeah. her... <laughs> part of me that I could I didn't feel like I could show especially when I got my tattoos I have tattoos that I that you can't really see most of the time but it was like going to church with a giant tattoo that's what I felt like when I yeah, first showed up right. in my life with my tattoos because I was networking and I was doing these things and I was like you know what I'm tired of uh, putting on this front of what I think I'm supposed to behave and, mm-hmm. and show up as and so I got this huge tattoo on my arm and I was really nervous about going to my first networking meeting with a sleeveless dress because I was worried about what people would think and mm-hmm. it, it consumed me. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? This is part of the problem because I'm not showing up as my real self and I'm not showing like if you don't like me with tattoos, then we shouldn't be working together. Yeah. So if I'm not showing up as myself and you hire me and I show up to a job in my chucks and my jeans and you're put off by that, that's that that's where those problems start to come because if I'm on the job, I'm going to be comfortable because I'm working, mm-hmm. right? And I'm in my creative space and I'm doing these things. But if if you're expecting the networking like very buttoned up, prim and proper to show up on a photo shoot where we're going to be out in the sun, in the heat, like that's just, it didn't feel right to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so very specifically, my tattoos and more of my culture showing up in my, my personality and the way that I dress and the edginess that I feel like I have, bringing that into my brand and showing up like that online and in person simultaneously was really important for me to start resonating with the people I was attracting into my business and as far as colleagues and clients go 
because I was having you know clients show up that were so far out of my core values. Yeah, core values exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. and for me, I was fine providing a service for them. It was that didn't feel like an issue to me, but they were put off by me once they met me because what they saw online, they had an idea of who I was, and then when they met me in person, they were like, oh. It wasn't okay. aligning with it what wasn't they thought. Aligning, yeah. yeah, and then if your goal and your passion is to capture authenticity and you yourself yeah. aren't showing up in that way, Absolutely. it's not going to feel aligned Absolutely. for sure. And there was a huge trust factor too because I felt like the trust of my clients declined once they saw me and there was that disconnect. And so when I would try to pose them or shoot them, they weren't responding to my mm-hmm. direction because they didn't trust that what I was telling them was the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I was having a lot of challenges in those sessions with those clients who were like, really, you want me to do that? And I'm literally saying to them, trust me, it's mm-hmm. going to be okay, but I shouldn't have to they say didn't. that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't trust me. Because if you're going to pay somebody to shoot you, then you know yeah. you better trust Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's such a vulnerable... Exactly. It is a very yes. vulnerable okay. connection. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is. So do you think when you're looking at that whole aspect, you know, like covering up sure. and being, you know, is it is it you or is it society? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like I did grow up, or, you know, all my jobs were in customer service. I worked at a bank and I worked at, you know, in oil and gas and things like that. And so I do feel like that was what was impressed upon me, especially yeah. because as a teenager, I was very goth and rock and edgy and tattoos and piercings and all these things and I was constantly being told well you're never going to get a job that way you can't go to work like that Mm -hmm. you can't you know I was working at men's warehouse and I got my um, nose pierced and they fired me (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> which you know, I wasn't following the guidelines of that happens to me too. They forced me to take out my nose ring yeah. as well. You know, and so I, you know, I get that in in certain environments, but that came with me into my business, and and it was a lot about like showing up at networking meetings and having other people's opinions of me being very important until it wasn't anymore. Until I realized that I was creating my brand, I was creating my business. And if I wasn't being myself in it, then I might as well just go and get a job mm-hmm. because it made no sense to me to be putting all this effort and energy into something that wasn't real. So would you, like if someone asked you, you know, that was just getting started, would you recommend the second part of your business or the first? Would oh. you say button up and go to networking events, build your business and your clientele, then no. be yourself? I would say be yourself first and foremost mm-hmm. and and and. Because what happens is you might, and I did, I was successful in the beginning. I got clients and I, you know, was building a good business, but the, the people I was aligned with were so far out of my core values that it didn't matter. I had to break it all down and start over anyway. Mm-hmm. I lost, when I shifted out of that mentality and moved more towards the people I knew that I was meant to serve, um, I lost a lot of business. I went for like six, maybe eight months with probably one or two clients. And it was rough because up to that point, I had been successful and I had steady clientele and my brand was complete. And then I had to break it down and start over. So I would definitely say start out of the gate, full out. And that's what I promote now. Like be yourself full out, show up full out because the people that you align with through that are going to be so much more aligned with you, resonate so much harder with your message and support you so much more than the people you might bring in at first and then have to like cut off anyway I mean Uh did you feel kind of like a servant I did I did I felt like I felt like I was playing a role Mm -hmm. and that I was good at it I knew what I was doing but I never felt like I really belonged I always felt like I was kind of um at the back of the mm-hmm. crowd like sitting at the I, there's table, a couple of events I can see you kind of like in the back of the event and yeah. yeah and that I was there thinking that these were the people I should be aligned with because they were powerful and they had um, connections and so that's what I was there for I knew what I was there for but at the same time it was just so draining like your energy you only have so much right, energy to yeah. give to something because it's not you right exactly yeah yeah and so yeah, for sure. I feel like that's very common, though. I've talked mm-hmm. to a few um, women, especially, and they've transitioned a lot in their business where they start off like prim and proper, yep. and then slowly it's like, oh, this is who I really am. Yeah. So, so yeah. you said um, to like 
that there was a there was like a point where you made this decision was mm-hmm. it like I'm gonna like shut down and open up or did you just sort of like slowly transition um, how did that come about it was kind of a slap in the face to be honest it was <laughs> it was a slap in the face I had a client who I who had been a referral from another client um, that I went to photograph. I knew that we weren't really core value aligned in the beginning, but to me, I was providing a service and she had hired me. There wasn't anything wrong with that situation. It was, um, we had our session the day that Bert Kavanaugh was. Um, oh, it was, was the day that he was um, being signed in. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, uh, taking the oath. Yes, and so, I mean, and I knew that in the back of my mind, but that wasn't, I was on the job and we're staying there, we're having this conversation and she starts talking to me like out of nowhere just I, I'm not sure if maybe she was following what was going on and so she felt compelled to say something but out of nowhere she starts talking about um, how she didn't understand why victims why people were playing the victim card and that you know she didn't understand all this gender stuff quote unquote and I kind of stopped because in my mind I'm like okay here we go mm-hmm. like I kind of already knew yeah. that me and her probably didn't have the same like ideals or you know life views, <laughs> uh-huh. but I wasn't about to have that conversation. And I'm behind my camera, right? So I'm in my customer service mode and my you know I'm providing a service mentality. And she starts saying these things, and and I I froze. I didn't know what to say, and I just kind of nodded, and I'm like, okay, yeah. And we had a little bit of a conversation about it. The entire conversation was very triggering for me as a sexual. Uh, assault survivor and as a, a survivor of um, sexual harassment in the workplace one of the things she said was that in her day um, her boss told her that he was going to bend her over the table and have his way with her and that you know at that time she was just like well that's just the way things were and we just we should just accept, we should just it. accept uh-huh. it and if you don't and like let them it do that. you mm-hmm. get another job if you don't like it you have a choice and i think for somebody like her or from maybe her background and and you know i'm i don't want to put her into um, a hole but what i understood was that she couldn't look at me and see how that was something that may not have been possible for me mm-hmm. as a, a woman who grew up in poverty and who had very little choices as a single mom I did not have a choice to just quit my job because I was being sexually harassed and go and get another mm-hmm. job. I did have to suffer through that with the knowledge that there wasn't the possibility for me to just make a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was very triggered by that. And I went home and it affected me so much because I knew that at that moment, I didn't say anything to her. There wasn't a conversation that was had about why, where I was coming from or why those things were important to me. lost your voice. I, I yeah. did. I didn't, and I didn't have a voice at that right. time at all. I had put so much of who I was and where I come from into this little box and put it aside in order to be a businesswoman and to be in these spaces with, you know, all kinds of people from every background and, and race and everything and to show up as a kind of whitewashed version of myself that I didn't even know how to say to her, it's not like that for everybody. Mm-hmm. For, for somebody like me, there would be no choice. And so we should be advocating for um, better behavior from the men in our lives versus from more resilience from women. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that I didn't say anything to her was the thing that affected me so right. much. Mm-hmm. And so I knew in that moment, especially because, I mean, this is my business, right? Like, this is a client. She's paying me. I'm providing a service for her. And so it had, I mean, it had all of these effects on me that I couldn't even describe at that moment. But it was the catalyst for me saying, I never want to be in that space ever again in which I'm in front of somebody who I'm providing a service for where they think that it's okay to say those things for me. Would I still provide that service for her today? Yes, but I would want her to know so much about me before she hired me that she knew that she could not say that to mm-hmm. me in that moment, mm-hmm. Yeah. right? Because I think that, that who I am, you know, where I come from, the things that I've experienced in my life should be part of my story and part of the things that people know about me as they hire me so that either they resonate with that and, and they align with that or they know, okay, She's a beautiful photographer. She provides a great service. She's very professional. My opinions on sexual assault are not something I should be bringing up. Right. Yes. 
Uh-huh. Which it's, I think are, let's just have that as a general. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Overall, we should kind of stick to that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it does come up. And, it does. And it does, especially right now. I mm-hmm. love what you said, like, that we expect women to be more resilient. And mm-hmm. it, aside from the bad behavior, that it's wrong. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know? It exactly. is wrong. You don't get to talk to women that way. You exactly. know, so many times I didn't speak up either mm-hmm. and can resonate. Yeah. So, you know, just right there with you in the yeah. times that I didn't yeah. talk until I did and yeah. learned to say something. So you've had, you know, a couple of, and I don't know all of your life. I do sure. remember, I'll never forget the drive <laughs> back from Dallas. Yeah. You know, it's one of my favorite um, times with yeah. you, yeah. you know, that, that we did. We really got to know each other that that four-hour drive home. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I do know that there's been a couple of times for you where you have really, um, you know, for lack of a better word, struggled. Mm-hmm. And one of the times was when you were in transition from the job to um, this part A of your right. of your business. Yeah. And um, you were single parenting and trying to find a place to live. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? And sure. Because I think that comes through when you take photos. It's like it's mm. almost like you're the resilience photographer, you know? Cool, I like that. That's what <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look for is the, yeah. the resilience, yeah. you know? Um, I definitely feel like having survived as much as I've had in my life and shown up as a more or less well-adjusted human being has created the ability to be resilient um so when we met i was married and through the um in the beginning of when i started working for i know somebody houston i was going through a divorce i ended up leaving that relationship and then i didn't have anywhere to live i was living me and my son were living with a friend and that was right around the time where i had just started building really part a of my business because this was before victoria garcia studios i was doing glamour photography and there was a huge disconnect for me between, you know, promoting, showing up in your, you know, as, as you know, beautiful, gorgeous woman in these photos when I felt so dejected and I didn't uh-huh. feel beautiful and I was the, the divorce and all these things. So that was a, a hard time for me. I didn't know where we were going to live. Um, I had gotten fired from my job, well, let go, laid off, what, however you want to say it, the day after my ex-husband had told me he wanted a divorce. And so at the but exact that was same a, time... that was a sexual assault situation too, wasn't it? Um, wasn't there some like... So with the job? Flavor? Yes. Yes. So the job that I was like in... Like you didn't do something, didn't it? Wasn't it? Or you I didn't move somewhere? I think they had or? waited. So I had, I had spoken up to HR about what I felt was sexual harassment in the workplace. Several other women felt the same way. We went to our HR and, you know, it was addressed within the organization but we moved out of that building and into another building. And when we moved, they put me basically in the basement. Yeah, that's with right. With no heat and no AC. Um, I, it, it the stepchild. I was, crazy. yeah, to where I was in this, um, you know, basically warehouse with no heat during the dead of winter. It was like 55 degrees in my office mm-hmm. and they wouldn't get me a space heater. And so I did feel punished. I felt like that was my punishment for speaking up against the... Um, the CEO of the company, who was a hugger, an un, um, unsolicited hugger, and amongst other things. And then I think that they waited until they had a you know enough time in between when I spoke up, and then you know laid me off, mm-hmm. you know quote unquote laid me off, which I was fine with that because I felt like that was an opportunity. I saw that layoff as an opportunity for me to start my business. Um, I had the ability to you know collect unemployment. I was living with a friend at that time who did not ask me to pay rent um, as long as I was maintaining my own expenses and, and helping with groceries and things. So I felt like I had this golden opportunity to build my business, right? Mm-hmm. I had all the time in the world, but I was severely depressed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where we were going to live or what was going to happen. Um, we had to, you know, my son had to change schools. It was just a lot all at the same time. And so that first year... I didn't build my business <laughs> because I was so busy, like trying to keep your head up. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's for sure. dog paddling. Yeah, and I did feel very um, ashamed of myself because I did think, like, if I was going to build my business, this would be the time. I had plenty of time to network and and you know be online, do all of the things, market. I had um, 
a little bit of money, enough to save and enough to put towards the things that I needed for my business, and I wasn't doing any of it because I was so depressed mm-hmm. and just had no idea what the what my life was going to be or how it was going to turn out. I think once I shifted away from my previous brand into Victoria Garcia Studios, once I decided I'm doing headshots and I'm doing personal branding photography, that's when things started to shift for me because building a business um, through that kind of adversity or any kind of adversity really is I think what makes a strong business owner, makes a strong leader because building a business for anybody, even in the best of circumstances, is grueling. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of resources. You have to learn how to learn because you don't have the resources to pay other people to do everything for you. Mm-hmm. So you learn how to build a website, you learn how to build a brand, you learn how to market and network and do all these things. Um, and if you're doing that through also, you know, mental illness and poverty <laughs> and, and single parenting and, and, and deprivation and, yeah. and, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. and yeah. so it really, it really makes for resilience. And one of the things I promote today, which is still true today, because I still struggle with mental illness. I suffer from anxiety and depression and, and insecurity and all the things I think a lot of people struggle with today. One of the things that gets me is getting up every day and, um, and knowing that there is an end in in mind, like I'm working towards something, because some days it's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to get up, and you have all this work to do. It's overwhelming. You have a life. You have laundry that's just never ending, and, mm-hmm. and all the struggles that come with just surviving your daily life. And then you're trying to, you know, be happy on social media and yeah. promote yourself and show up and. So I do promote resilience and I do talk about it a lot in my messaging that what resilience to me is not about um, pretending that everything's fine, getting up and, and faking it until you make it, but it's about facing the struggles that you have and owning them and being real about them and letting other people into that part of your life. I think there's a huge shift that's happening in our online world today where people are very, very tired of seeing perfection the mm-hmm. fake thing they're very yeah. very tired of that mm-hmm. they want real honesty they want truth they want not to see your struggle so that they can you know feel some kind of like shot and fruit or something like that but they just want to know that they're not alone yeah and that when they don't have anything to post or share that it's okay that what they're sharing isn't perfect mm-hmm. right because it's not always about the facade that we're creating we want to be professional we want to get clients we want all those things so you know i think they're you know you do have to understand where that line is but that showing that real side of yourself the is real important that's what i like it's much real important i think we all really yeah. just connect with the real yeah you yeah. know that yeah. that sense of perfection like everything you know i always have to tell my clients like what you see on Facebook isn't real. Yeah. Like if all you're seeing is, you know, the the dating and the marriage and the baby and the house, this that's not real. You yeah. know, you're not living that daily life with right. that person. Exactly. So. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about how you reflect a client's brand. Is mm-hmm. there questions you ask or how do you get to know somebody so that you can reflect mm-hmm. that? So that's shifted a lot recently. I do have an intake form that I have my clients fill out that talks about, you know, what they want to show up as, what mood that they want their clients to feel when they look at their images, what their brand colors are and you know their core values. And I think about those things when I photograph them. So if I have a client who wants to show up as a powerful, capable person, I'm going to pose her different than somebody who wants to show up as um, more down to earth and a little bit more relatable um, in those ways. And all my clients have different personalities, so I really try to hone in on who the person is while I'm photographing them and bringing their brand into that. But more than anything, my photography focuses on who I, who I see when I look through the camera. While I'm posing my clients, I have standard things that I do for every client that I feel like show women in their best, most flattering light, but if I pose them and they seem uncomfortable or I can see in there, there's a funny thing that happens as a photographer, and I've talked about this a couple of times recently, that I think that once I pick my camera up because my clients can't see my eyes, that they forget that I can see them. 
And so I'm picking up on these little micro expressions in their face when I'm looking through my lens that I don't think that they realize that I can see because they've let their guard down a little bit because mm-hmm. they can't see my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I see that, I think, okay, this is not a pose that she's comfortable in or mm-hmm. um, this expression isn't something that, that she can genuinely authentically hold. And so I, I think about that and I, you know, I'll take a couple of frames there, but then I'll shift. Okay, let's try something else. Um, turn this way or move that way or think about this thing and really to me I've shifted away from bringing your brand into your imagery and really just trying to bring that human out like Mm -hmm. that person who's in front of my camera I want to photograph her beautifully genuinely I want I want her best friend to see those pictures and go wow that's you Mm-hmm. I don't want her best friend to see those pictures and go, that's your brand. Because your brand is going to change. As your business grows and evolves and you learn more about who you are as a business person, who your clients are, your brand, it like should. my brand. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I don't want for my client to invest in their brand photography for brand A, you know, get six months down the line and go, oh my gosh, this I is need this brand photos. Yeah, everything's changed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I've shifted away from wearing your brand colors and, and yeah. bringing things that are very brand associated and more into portraiture for your business. Mm. Um, so I think that, that for me, that allows my clients to get the most mileage out of their imagery. And also, they don't even have to stay. I mean, it doesn't even have to just be for their brand. They can print those photos and share them and do whatever they want with them because they've invested in themselves mm-hmm. you know they've they've not only spent the money on the imagery but they're spending money on their wardrobe and styling and um, bringing props and things like that and so what a shame it would be to spend all that money and to invest all that time and energy into something that you can't use yeah, right. or you know that doesn't have a, a lifespan yeah Yeah. some longevity to it so what would you say to someone who was maybe in your situation Mm -hmm. where they were showing up in their business as someone that wasn't really authentically them but want to transition Mm -hmm. and want to bring more of who they are into their brand what would you be what would you say would be like the first thing yeah yeah well that's what changed (laughs) for me I think a lot of it is insecurity Mm -hmm. self-doubt fear Um, fear of being judged, fear of being found out. Um, I love that. I love that you said yeah. therapy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's really what helped me. My therapist told me when I first started therapy, it was after that situation, I, and, and for other reasons, of course, but she told me that I didn't have a voice. Mm. And I was like, the hell? You know? Can't you There's hear no my way. Yeah. yeah. And I don't feel like, a, I've never felt like a person who was afraid to speak their mind or to... Um, stand up for themselves so the fact that she was telling me I didn't have a voice was shocking to me how could mm-hmm. you say that but I realized I was shirking from conflict I was afraid to say what I thought I was afraid to show up as myself she was right mm-hmm. um, and so finding my voice was the first step that I had to express myself again mm-hmm. to express who my thoughts my feelings who I was as a person and to show up in those places and say this is who I am I can't remember where I heard this statistic, but something like 95% of women, um, their first sexual experience was uh, some form of assault, Mm -hmm. where they were saying no, and the guy said yes, and they lost that that Mm -hmm. argument. And also, too, a lot of uh, women that suffer from mental health, Mm -hmm. it's very much correlated with sexual trauma. Some type of... Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh Yeah. So... Yeah, so I do love it. And I love what I see in your social media, you Mm -hmm. know, more of like the real you, you know, um, protesting two things that you don't believe in and putting it out there and and having that voice. It's hard to pin down just one. I think my favorite shoots are the ones with women who get me as much as I get them, where I can really be myself because then we're playing. We're not working. We're having a good time. I love that. And I'm very encouraging I'm very much about body positivity in my mm-hmm. clients I cannot stand to hear anybody that I know talk down about themselves especially when it comes to their body and I will shut that shit down quick yeah you know I have a lot of clients who will come to me and say well you know just take this off or you know make me look like this and I'm like Stop. yeah 
you know what I mean? Photoshop me this way. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, and all of those things are but valid. It, yes, it things. is. And it, but it, you know. it's like, you you know, I get what you're saying, but you don't have to say that to me. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. I'm going to photograph you in your best light. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, exactly. yeah. yeah. And so I think, you know, my favorite I think that goes to are, trust. It does. It uh-huh. does go a lot to trust because the, you can, see, I can see the mistrust in my clients when they don't have faith in, uh, in how I'm photographing them or that they will look good at the end right. of the day in their uh-huh. image. Because that's what we all, when, when, we, when we are photographed, we want to show up as our best selves, right? Yeah. But I encourage my clients to have, um, to have fun and to enjoy themselves and to be silly. Uh-huh. And so when I'm with somebody who I can be my full personality with and they get it, they get my jokes, and we're like riffing off of each other, that's where the best images come from because I can be behind my camera saying the things that I would say to my best friend and they are responding and we're laughing and you know, and I don't always get that, you know, and, and that's, and it's not to say that those are not good clients or that those were not good shoots, but you know, there are women in the world who are much less reserved or much more reserved, um, much less confident in themselves. And so there is a struggle to kind of come out of their shell yeah. Which in those moments, I I just have the most compassion and empathy that mm-hmm. I can. And I try to read their body language and their facial expressions and their tone of voice to know, okay, she's not comfortable here. This is not easy for her. Mm-hmm. She's having a hard time. And I'm not going to push her through that hard time because that's just going to make things worse. I'm going to stop, take a deep breath, ask her to take a deep breath and let's shift. Let's do something else and yeah. ask her, you know, how do you feel? You know, what's going on? Do you ever gonna... point that out? It feels like you're not comfortable. No, absolutely not. No, yeah. nobody wants to be told that they do don't look, look uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Could you stop doing that face? Cause yeah. you know, that's an important lesson for other photographers. Like you, you don't ever tell the person in front of your camera, you mm. look like you're not having a good time because what's that going to do? That's just going to make them more self-conscious. Uh, yes. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know, always encouraging. And I show the back of my camera, which in photography in the industry is a no, no, you don't show people the pictures before they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, you know, we want to see what we look like. We yeah. want to see how, you know, because if it I, relieves the stress, it does relieve the, the stress. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're like, oh, okay, I'm a, yeah, yeah, it I does look good. It's it's agree. More trust building for sure. So you have a new baby. I do. She's still kind of new. Yeah. Um, but I I want to talk a little bit about how you've been able to manage a new baby oh. and a business. Yeah. Um. I homeschool my and kids. And a teenager. Right. And a teenager. <laughs> teenager, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of finding myself in this transition of trying to yeah. rebalance and recalibrate sure. because I'm pulling a little bit away from, like, those motherhood roles mm-hmm. that I've, you know, taken on as my responsibility for so long sure. and wanting to dive more into my business. How have you been able to manage both parenting, mm. wife, yeah. and business? Um, definitely a support system, yeah. which I know not everybody has, um, but my mom has been a huge support system. She mm-hmm. is my babysitter, yeah. and um, I do pay her so that she is incentivized <laughs> to be my babysitter, <laughs> so she doesn't do it for free. Um, but but it helps, right, yeah. to have that support system and people that you can trust to get your business done. I don't know if I'd be as far along without that. Um, but part of it is just having, um, like giving yourself patience mm-hmm. and knowing that as long as you are tenacious and that you continue to go after the things that you want, that there's nothing that can stop you except you. I, I read a great book, which I recommend by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. And it is built upon a stoic principle of the idea that you cannot control the world, but you can control how you react to the world mm-hmm. and what you allow yourself to feel in the face of obstacles. And that the obstacle, if you keep looking at it, is the thing in front of you that you can't. That you have to get rid of. That, mm-hmm. you, that you have to get rid of, that you're never going to get rid of it. But mm-hmm. as if you look at it as, um, how do I get around it? Maneuver. How do I uh-huh. use that obstacle to my advantage? Uh-huh. Um, how do I shift my mindset around it? Then that becomes the way through it, right? Uh-huh. There's no around. There's only through. And so I adopted that principle and that philosophy from my life. Well, actually, I read it and I felt like it always was my philosophy. Right. 
that I just had words for it. But that's what I think, you know, building a business while raising a baby is. How do you use what you have to your advantage? I have a good friend who's also a photographer, Anel Lestage, and she um, runs a business called Tinder Nest Portraits. And so she does baby and family photography. And she recently had a baby. And so she she also homeschools mm. five, I think. She's wow. Homeschooled. Wow. Um, and she's phenomenal. And so her business is built around her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. she Her photography is babies and families because she knows that better than anybody. Her clients understand her unique struggles of having a baby while she's running this business. So there's no judgment or you know there's an alignment there with her clients yeah. she also it's goes, almost like they're part of the right, support system exactly uh-huh. and so to me that is kind of how you find your way through it for me my photography is built around the fact that being an entrepreneur i i specifically know the challenges of building a business and so when i talk to my clients i understand their challenges as a business owner mm-hmm. um and, and her dad, my daughter's dad, is very supportive. He's very involved in her, you know, care and up, upbringing. I never feel like when I'm asking him, you know, hey, can you take care of her, that it's like, oh, can you babysit your daughter for a little yeah. while while I go do this yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. He's parenting her and he's with her, and so right. that helps a lot. That's good. And I say all of this with the clear understanding that it's not always that way. Yeah. Um, when my son was little and I was trying to build I wasn't building my business at the time, but trying to be a photographer, it was very hard. But that's when I would put up backdrops in my apartment and have a little home studio and invite my friends and practice Mm -hmm. what I was doing. So if you don't have the time to leave the house and do the things in the world, find the things that you can do while you're at home. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, I have a good friend whose daughter is around the same age as my daughter and she's building a business, she's a painter. She can't, she does fine art, but she can't paint with um, acrylics because they take a long time to dry, and she can't have those kinds of paints around her daughter, who's now mm-hmm. three and into everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do I how do I get around this? What do I do? Well, she can do her admin stuff on the computer while she's home to promote her business and build her online presence, and now she's doing face painting. Face paints are non-toxic, especially because they're on your face and on your skin. And she now goes on the weekend when her husband is home with the kids and she goes and does her jobs and then she comes home so that during the week she can be a full-time stay-at-home mom with her kids. She can still paint, she can still have a career, but she's doing it during the time where she has support. Mm -hmm. And so it really is just about finding a way through it until that's not an obstacle anymore. Mm-hmm. So once your kids, you know, are in school, if they are going to traditional school, that's a chunk of time that you can do work. Mm-hmm. Um, or when they are aged out of the the age where they need every second of your time and attention, you know, I mean, so those kinds of things, just being creative about your problems, yeah. I think is the best. I love way. that. So you great. talked about yeah. like in in high school that you tried a couple of different things and then mm-hmm. settled on photography. And um, I have this uh, theory about women and creativity Mm. that if they get to, um, which neither one of you are here, but when we get to a certain age and you stop having babies, Mm. that you need a creative outlet because Mm. our hormones, our bodies, our chemistry is designed to create, to make a baby. And when you give that up, if you don't have some type of creative outlet, mm-hmm. it squeezes out. Mm-hmm. Usually into some type of acting out, drugs, sure. drinking, you know, addiction, depression. Uh, <laughs> depression. It could be mental yeah. health. Yeah. It could be, um, you know, sexually acting out. There's, you know, the yeah. gamut, gambling, yeah. all yeah. overspending, blah, blah, blah. So, how do you feel about that in like you wanting something at that age, as a yeah. teenager, knowing that you wanted to be creative? And then. Mm about you right now like how does it transcend well let's just say that I always acted out (laughs) I was always into things I shouldn't have been into um I just I always felt like I needed to express myself in some way I felt very misunderstood as a kid I felt like um kind of an outcast at school not really appreciated for who I was at home things like that 
and so I was constantly looking for a way to I, I wouldn't have thought about it as creating anything at that time it was just how do I tell my story and my how do I this express myself and, and show the views that I have about the world and what do I do and, and I did a lot of things I wanted to be a writer I wanted to write short stories I, I did collage I did paint I did dance for a long time in school and it was just this um, kind of like trial and error and, and I think this is true for most people you don't do what you're not good at unless you love it mm -hmm. so if you try something and you hate it you're not going to keep trying to get better mm -hmm. you only try you only push if you really like part, it right if it's something that you that, that feeds you mm -hmm. and so that's what happened with photography I found that and I sucked for a long time like most of the time I was awful but I loved it so much that I, I just was going to do it and do it and do it until I got better um, but speaking to the creativity part it really was just about expressing myself um, not so much creating for the creation's sake but just to you know have my voice in whatever subtle way that I could and what about now? I mean, how do you feel about, like, are you birthing babies by being creative every day? Oh, man. Um, I, so I've been a photographer for almost 20 years. Still to this day feel like I will never know enough about being a photographer. Every day, I, you know, I think about all the skills that I want to learn, things I haven't done yet or tried. It's, it's never-ending. Lighting techniques, editing techniques, you know. The different ways you can be creative with photo manipulation or I just recently did a shoot for Halloween that I'm excited about that I had a dream about I, I woke up from a dream in which I visited a friend and he had a photo album of images that were taken that were very like spooky and kind of like macabre and he's like oh yeah I got them from this girl it was kind of reminded me of when you know when you go to Asher World and they had the old west oh, yeah, scene yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it was like that but with the spooky theme uh -huh. and, so you have this like stage right or setup. Yeah. yeah yeah and in my dream I was so pissed because it wasn't my idea mm -hmm. I was like oh I wish I'd have thought of that but it was your that idea was cool. yeah so when I woke up I was like it is my <laughs> idea <laughs> I need it. to do this. Yeah, and I love it. I'm very blessed by my, you know, the people in my life. I put it on on my Instagram stories and immediately had people who were like, I'm down to do this. And um, so I got the props and set up the studio. They showed up and we shot. And I'm very proud of that work because it's creative and it's something different. And it's not, and it's just personal work, you know, mm -hmm. just something for fun. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I do still feel like in a box sometimes because when you run a business one of the best things that you can do to be successful is to put systems and processes in place that allow you to be efficient efficiency is the only way that you can scale because you can't hire people if you don't know how to train them and mm -hmm. you can't train them if you don't know what you're doing right you know what I mean? if you don't have a system right. for it spelled out this is how I do it then you can train somebody right exactly right. and so I've I've created all these systems and processes for my business but what happens for creatives is that once you're put in a box you want to get out of the box <laughs> like I have like I do everything by this system that I've created mm -hmm. and that doesn't really allow me to play mm -hmm. in the way uh, that I find that too yeah. yeah so when you're first building a business everything is creation because you're figuring things out and you're problem solving even the systems even the system it's yeah. like how do I do this but then once you have that system and everything's running relatively smoothly for somebody like me it's like well what's the next thing yeah right that's where you I get fed is yeah. that like challenge exactly. of like play yeah. yes exactly and so which um, is so fun it is fun it is so fun but it's also scary because then you yes. start to hit the walls of well shit I don't know how to do that yeah you yeah and then you're a beginner all over yes, again <laughs> exactly um so as opposed to like burning everything to the ground and starting over which I didn't want to do I just decided I was going to try and um learn new skills and do more personal work and start to find different avenues of photography because I love the work that I do and I love photographing women. I think photographing women will something will be something that I always have a passion for. But how you know how else can I do that and be creative that isn't just about you know brand photography, which is very commercial, mm -hmm. um, you know fashion maybe mm -hmm. or, or right. just art in general. Just using my photography as an art, which is hard because you know. Who's got the time? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so it does get it does get challenging. But I think more than anything, having the ability to do that, I think I'm allowed to do that now that I have spent the last four or five years building this business. 
to the point where it does run very smoothly, I have, you know, I'm allowed to go and be creative. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've given yourself a little bit of breathing yeah. room. Yeah. 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 And in cultivating um, an audience or, you know, a, a, the people around me who believe in me as a person, I'm not afraid anymore to show those parts of my business because before I wouldn't have shown them because they're mm-hmm. not on brand. Yeah. And I can't show that. That's not yeah, on brand. Yeah. What are my, what's my audience going to think, you yeah. know? Zero likes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfollow. But now I'm like, okay, if I show this and you don't like it, all I'm doing is making room for somebody who's going to see that and go, wow, that is freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And my idea is, because this has happened before, um, so there's this theory in, in business is you know, show what you want to sell. So if you don't want to sell this type of photography, stop showing it right. because yeah. 100% people are going to see it and want to buy it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I show more creative work and I show more personal work, then the idea is that somebody's going to see that and go, I love that idea. Can you do that for me? Mm-hmm, and right. that's where your business starts to grow and blossom into, you know, different revenue streams and, mm-hmm. and other things like that. So we well, have come you? a long way. Thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. wonderful to see that. Thank you. Yeah. I feel that. I feel my growth, especially in my work sometimes. Mm-hmm. I still love a lot of the old stuff that I've done, but I'll see stuff and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> I'm like that too. Is there someone out there you want to shoot that you haven't yet? Um, you ever see somebody and go like, I'd love yes. to. Yes. Can you say who it is? Her name is Onyi Salmon. Sil- Silmon, I think it's S-I-L-M-O-N. She's amazing. We've met. We've had uh, lunch together. Uh-huh. She's a phenomenal, stylish real estate agent. She has built a brand. Um, her um, Instagram she talks she gets very personal she's very real and she she has this amazing photography that she's done throughout the years and I love her I'm not sure who her photographer is but props to whoever that is because he does beautiful work I think it's a he and um every time I see her photos I'm just like oh get in front of my camera because you know photographing women who love to be photographed is a lot of fun for a Mm -hmm. photographer you don't feel like you're working again that's play because they love the camera yeah yeah they love to pose and 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 dress to the nines she's got great style and she came from fashion into what she's doing now and so she brings that into her brand so she's and i told her she knows she knows i want to photograph her so hopefully one day i'll get the chance any last words i have one question for you that i forgot to ask i was going to ask this at the beginning what makes you happy Oh, brings you joy. When my daughter says, I'm so happy. Aww. That makes me happy. She's three. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I it's know. like, yeah. yeah, be happy, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you do, be happy. Be happy. So, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that brings uh-huh. me joy. Yeah. Well, thank you. We appreciate you. How can yeah, people find you? They can find me on Instagram and my website at Victoria Garcia Studios. That's pretty much everything. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you guys. Okay, until next time, if you guys have any questions, please email us at themeadowreport at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook and Instagram at The Meadow Report. It's always helpful to like and share and subscribe um, and leave us a review.